When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redman. Good morning, Patrick. How are you feeling today? I've had the spicy cough, mate. <laughs> I didn't I've know if had... I or not. <laughs> I've, I've had this spicy cough and well, I tell you what, I had people sort of asking me each day, how are you feeling? Are you tired? I am tired, Aaron. I'm exhausted. But what are you tired from is the question that I've got for you. I've been gardening for six straight <laughs> days. There's nothing else that I can do in my backyard now. I've mowed this is no joke. No word of a lie. I've mowed my lawns three times, done all the edging, I've washed my windows. I ordered eight cubic meters of mulch fortuitously two days before I got said spicy cough last Saturday. <laughs> Got on the Sunday, and uh, and so that that was my Monday taken care of. Done a bit of work in the uh, gym treadmill. Do they, do they actually deliver mulch out into the middle of nowhere? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. PO box. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 I've been. Uh, it's mate. It's been a busy week, but I've got all the I've got the house chores done. I've been isolating uh, in a bedroom and outside. So. Now, Quite extraordinary. You've isolated for seven days. You've gone and done the house chores. Yes. You'll yes. you'll come out of you'll come out of isolation. You go, Marty, look what I've done here and there. And she's going to go, stuff you, have the kids. <laughs> well, well, here is the thing, Redmond. So I wake up each morning and I will admit it hasn't exactly been at the crack of dawn. And I hear sort of hurricane flick my two and a half year old daughter outside. <laughs> she I tell you what. When was it? Thursday morning. She was going bonkers. And then because I'm uh, isolating, I have to sort of put in my order. I, I can't you know, make my breakfast in the morning, so those sorts of things. So I just send the text message to the lovely. Can I have a coffee and, uh, you know, a few pieces of toast if that's okay? As I hear, you know, Flick screaming for a dummy. She calls it a mimi. Uh, George just you can hear him bolting around upstairs. It's like he's doing laps of the house. And uh and yeah, it's it's been great. So I tell you what, I've... has the coffee been passed to you or thrown at you? <laughs> uh no, so far so good. I'm I'm basically out now, one day to go. Uh and it's it had just been, you know, well delivered at the, the front door. 
You know, I'm doing it. I'm doing my bit for our family, Aaron. So obviously, Marty and the kids haven't got this. If you haven't they, if you haven't worked that part out, they haven't picked it up. <laughs> no, well, we we did the right thing. So I isolated in uh, away from everyone and just uh, have been waiting on hand and foot. And I've turned into Jamie Jury from Backyard Blitz, <laughs> not Jamie Jury from Manpower. So look, it's been a uh, it's been a great week. I'm I'm sure everyone has different uh, reactions to COVID, but those that um, that don't have sort of the, the heavy symptoms, it's good for the garden. Well, that was going to be my question to you. In all seriousness, and as a cat supporter, we need to make sure those lungs are still pumping all right, Patrick. <laughs> are, you, are you all good? Well, isn't it, isn't it so odd that everyone reacts so differently to this? Like, this is a worldwide pandemic, and for me, it's been, you know, bugger all, to be honest, a little bit cloggy in the head when you lie down, that's it. But for others, bedridden for days and weeks, and I've got teammates that have been the same when they'd had it at different stages and and it absolutely wrecked them it's just one of those extraordinary things and and, and you weren't you weren't super well when oh, you got I mean, it and- i've got this really really strong immune system and i've had worse <laughs> so i've had worse hangovers so it's a, that deadly virus you know watch, watch out for it patrick <laughs> well it's fine for when you if you have a you know mild version those that haven't had it then well death that ain't great and there's been plenty that have had the, the long form. So anyway, Aaron, that's been my week. So it hasn't exactly <laughs> been a week full of fishing in the and the outdoors. So I needed sort of context for our show this morning. Luckily, you have been enjoying the great outdoors and and hammering the tuna, which we're seeing in, in, in really good numbers. Once again, right through the bottom end of South Australia has been terrific. Victor Harbour fishing extremely well, and you can continue to head um, – North and and south, depending on where you're fishing. Lincoln, obviously, fishing well. Um, Victoria, the same. Starting to see billfish across New South Wales, and you'll cover this in the wrap uh, a little later in the show. But it just shows that the the fishing is really good this time of year. It, it, it's a great time of year to fish. The water's a little bit warmer. The weather's a little bit warmer. Yeah, we're dealing with winds at different stages, but it's pretty good. It's been sensational. And you know what is a lot worse than COVID, in my opinion, is braid cuts. Braid cuts. <laughs> I end. thought you were going to say seasickness because that, that, is, that is horrible. That's only for the week you get that. Braid cuts on another part of on your hands. During the week, I went live on, on social media uh, trying to – everyone wanted to sort of see how he chased these tuna and whatnot. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I'm trying to, like, film. And I was actually trying to walk the tuna so Kane could grab its tail showing off a little bit and I'm trying to walk it and then this fish kicked off but where I had one hand on on the on the line it literally wrapped around I, I thought my fingers were gone I, in all honestly I thought my fingers were gone and luckily it popped at the hook it was only 40 pound liter lucky it wasn't any stronger <laughs> and braid cuts I've had them for three days now four days they hurt like no other but the tuna fishing has been tough this week I'll be honest with you we had that moon pat and it was Could just I- it just did what the moon does, and it just shut them down. But if you fish smart like I did and a few others and actually followed that bigger tide in the afternoon, sure enough, they had to feed it. So at one point, I believe they feed overnight, but they did feed in the Arvo on that bigger tide, and I cleaned up pretty much every single afternoon. So what you're talking about, once there's that middle tide where there's not a huge amount of water movement, it's really tough going. Once you've got that water movement and the the bait starting to roll, whether it's the smaller crustaceans or you're talking uh, larger bait fish, 
then they'll start to move. Now, apologies if you can hear in the background, Aaron, my kid's going absolutely berserk, but this has been seven days of lo- of lockdown. I'm not sure what's happening outside of this door, but, but, but it's it's a cross well, it between... M- <laughs> well, it doesn't. It's a cross between MMA and uh, WWE. So <laughs> apologies for anyone listening at home. This is a home record job. Oh, it's um, <laughs> so it's tuna with that tie that you were just talking about. Like you just said, it, it's same as a whiting, same as everything. I just don't like the moons for any fishing. And people always say gummies on the moons, this and that. The reason that people catch gummies on the moons is quite often they fish them into the dark. It's not actually the the moon that's created. Well, it is technically the moon, but it's the bigger tides of a night that's actually allowing you to catch the fish. And that's why during the day off the moons you get fish when you're in the mid-moon because the tides are back to normal and they're, they're not crappy. Where the tide during the week, like that incoming tide was only around for us in Port Phillip Bay, a knot and a half is really, really ordinary. There's not much tidal movement. Now, on a normal flood tide, you're up around that towards that 3.5 to 4.2 knots of that incoming tide, but the outgoing's more. So what we did, we waited for that afternoon tide, that ebb tide that started to run out it's in the ocean too. And I, I know people say the ocean's not that much tide, but it, it is. It plays a massive role on the way these tuna tuna feed. And they're, they're a bit tent. They're, they're probably a bit more finicky. They push across the surface a little bit more in a more freer sort of motion. Rather than schooling up and smashing the bait, they sort of move at their own leisure. Like They're a bit uh, doughy, I guess you could say. But when they're on, they're on like I had them during the week. We Kano and I, in just on two hours, we landed 20 bluefin tuna from sort of that 15 kilo up to that 30 kilo range. And just a different technique. I had three or four boats around me, and I've got the messages, and no one believes me, of people saying they weren't getting them, they weren't getting them, and they're just doing the same thing over and over, trawling through the fish, blah, blah, blah. You need to change up your ma- your methods, whether it's plastics, top water, or whatever it is, Pat. You just need to consistently change it up on the day. You can't just go out there with lures and just hope to God it works because, like the other day, it did, they just did – they got a couple of fish, but nowhere near like we did. So being able to actually change your methods – it doesn't matter what species you're fishing for. It's right around the world. You need to have different options, whether it's the whiting, trying pippy, squid, or trying burly, or getting deeper or shallow. Whatever it is, you need to be willing to chop and change things to catch fish. Speaking of chopping and changing, fishing for marlin certainly requires that when you're spending really big hours on the water. Now, the southeast coast of New South Wales at the moment looks ripe for the picking you're a few weeks away now from heading up there with a group of mates uh, fishing off Burmy. Let's talk about the marlin chase because we haven't been able to experience it. Those in New South Wales have, if you've been sort of locally in the region, depending on sort of the, the different lockdown scenarios that anglers have experienced over the past few years. But for those rurally, for those interstate to New South Wales, finally – the marlin hunt is back on and billfish are on the menu. It's going to take you back to what you said at the start. I'm not a few weeks away. This time next week, I will literally be talking to you from Birmingham. <laughs> I've been this trip. It's already this week. This week is going to go long enough as it is, Patrick. So don't say a few. I'm letting you know, I leave next fr- – on the Friday, I leave next Friday, and I cannot wait. I'm really looking forward to get there. Hopefully the weather – turns it on for us as well as the fish but you are right the marlin is it's just sensational it's probably it's my it's my favorite fish to catch there's nothing more exciting than catching a marlin jumping out of the water the way you chase them but not only that 
Patrick not having to be on the rod for an hour to five hours chasing a barrel bluefin. And these marlin tend to usually only be that 15, 20 minutes. You can get them up and then go get another one. So it's really exciting fishing. But you need to have so many different, I guess, oh, I get, sorry, we'll start again. You need to have a different understanding on different methods to actually chase these fish. So it, you can't just literally rock up and go, righto, I'm just going to troll lures all day and just hope to God that the lures uh, work. You need to have different methods. So you need to start with the night before. So righto. We're heading up there today, say, for example. We're fishing tomorrow. Let's jump on rip charts. Hope that there's not too much cloud cover because this is run by satellite. You try and pick a bit of water that's going to have a nice slow current. It's pushing in off the shelf. It's got an upwelling where the nutrients are nice and rich. And that way you can sort of pinpoint a rough area where the bait's going to hold and therefore the marlin's going to hold. Now, traditionally down the southeast coast of New South Wales, we chase striped marlin. They're a schooling marlin and they have uh, multiple fish that, that, that they swim with. And if you can get them on a bait ball, you can look in the water and see five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten marlin literally sitting under a bait ball. It's, it's that exciting. Now, mm. that's one method, bait balling, backing up to the bait ball, throwing your live bait to the fish, basically hand feeding them. That's a great way to do it with circle hooks, letting them run with the drag and then going up on strike. Now, another method, if you can't get them on bait balls, you've got skip baiting. Now, you need outriggers, and in the review today, Pat, we're going to talk about why you need outriggers and the cost of outriggers. So we won't go too much about the outriggers at the minute. That's for Red's review later. But outriggers on your stri- on your skip baits, running skip baits with a teaser bar, and you can tease the uh, – sorry, with a teaser out, and you can tease the fish up, drop a livey back to them. You've also got the method of running lures. Now, the problem with striped marlin is the way their eyes are designed, they're actually very erratic with their bill strikes. They don't, they're not that dependent on their eyes that as much as – uh, I say blue marlin and black marlin. So they come up, they're really erratic. So you don't want to run those big Jobu hooks or those big dojo hooks. You want to run SL12s, nice thin gauged hooks. Now these hooks are not thick at all, Pat, and they straighten easy. So I like to back my drag. So with 30 of drag pressure, say 24 kilo, we usually run around eight kilos of drag. I back it down to that five to six kilo of drag just because they do straighten a fair bit. And with the striped marlin, you can usually use the boat to maneuver to get them up boat side and pop them off or do whatever you do. Now, you need to run these thin hooks. I'm saying it again because they feed erratic with their bill and you want to just jag them. You just want to jag them in the mouth, in the bill, wherever you can get them. Because those big hooks, the way they feed, they don't often get them in their mouth and you will lose so many fish. You'll just consistently shake them off in the air. Then you've got slow trawling live baits, once again, out of your riggers, and that's just marking up bait, working the bait, hopefully marking up some fish in and out of gear, and that hoping that current's not too strong because striped marlin are very lazy fish. They don't like a lot of current, so that will be often, hence what I said to you before, you want to find that current break and that temperature break, and that's where those striped marlin will school up, basically. I won't, not, not like tuna, but they'll be in that, integrate straight to that area, and they'll be literally around that bait anywhere that you can start marking it up. So that there is just a sort of a wrap-up on marlin fishing. There is a lot more to it, but if you start with the basics like we've just gone through, you got yourself a good shot at actually landing a big face fish. We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning. After the break, we've got what's biting in your part of the country. Earlier in the week, I caught up with Dan Upperton from Stabycraft. They're one of the leading plate aluminium manufacturers in the world. They're one of the few brands that really update their models every year. They're, they're, they're a really impressive manufacturer. So we're going to chat with him uh, a little later in the show for that interview. 
Uh, all that and uh, plenty more coming your way this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country, in your state, Redmond. And we'll start off with New South Wales, Batemans Bay, uh, down to Eden. The marlin fishing is really starting to, to lighten and liven up. We're starting to see good reports, good captures consistently. Yeah, we are. And next week, we're going to do our best to hopefully, we haven't told him yet, but get Scotty from uh, Burmy Bait and Tackle. We love getting him on this time every year, the week before I... I head up there. I only do it just to get a little bit of info out of Scotty. That's the reason for doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, no, he's a he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, local Birmingham, the tackle store for for a long time there, and he sells a ripper bacon and egg sandwich at six in the morning, Patrick. Uh, but that, seriously, those marlin, we've spoke about it earlier. They're they're really you, multiple. Sorry, boats are getting multiple fish now, which is great to see. Basin Bay, right down to Eden, that southeast we like to call it, New South Wales, really fired up. Uh, live baiting's been the go. Uh, lures have been good, but once again, they shake you off. So if you can avoid lures as much as possible, don't they do work, don't get me wrong, but you can get away from them a little bit if possible and you'll have more success in landing fish. Port Hacking had some great captures of calamari this week, Pat, as well as small kingfish. Lots and lots of small bonito, like that two, two and a half kilo. But the more exciting part, amongst those smaller kingfish, which they were on size and just on whatnot, the 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 bigger kingfish are there because I've seen so many reports of people say, saying lost so many big fish today, but they're all running lighter gear for the small fish, trying to have a bit of fun as we like to do. So if you're going in under gun, don't be surprised if you get done done on a big fish as well. And our good mate uh, Paul Worsling, he's fishing out of Port Stevens. If you do follow him on social media, he's had some seriously good success on the big black marlin, which I'm sure will come to your TV screens at some point. Uh, and Lewis, it's a great Mar- white sharks, Redmond. Like yeah, we're, we're talking some 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 big models. <laughs> it's uh, oh, just this the shark activity. I've always said social media uh, was playing a massive role in shark activity over the last say three to five years, especially down our neck of the woods, Pat. But I tell you what. With these tuna coming and coming from South Australia down to us into Mallacoota, down all the way through, and then you've got the New South Wales fishery up there, just which is just amazing in itself as it is. I think Bruce's are going to start making a bit more of an appearance, whether it's Mako's, Bronzies, Threshers, whatever it is. I think it, we're going to start seeing a hell of a lot more here in Victoria, in, more particularly. Not exactly sure whether these are a full shark repellent, but remember, always wear a life jacket. Don't risk your own life. There's plenty of different styles of life jackets suitable for any water sports, whether you're, well, I was going to say chasing sharks off the shelf, ribbon, but probably not, but important to, to certainly wear whilst you're out in the boat or whether you're heading inland and you're doing some water sports. Life jacket, wear it com.au will help you find the appropriate life jacket for anyone whether you're racing in an offshore blue water classic or heading out with your mates up the murray it's important to always wear a life jacket now south australia redmond we've had plenty of continued reports around the tuna fishery these southern bluefin school tuna that are firing at the moment uh the reports from charters you're getting it's just getting better and better. 
Yeah, once a fish charters, they're advertising during the week, just tuna charter after tuna charter. And I don't blame them because the tuna fishing is sensational. So want to fish charters are at a Wirrina. So make sure you do check them out on their social media if you want to jump on board. And I think I think it was around three hundred dollars for a day, for the day chasing those bluefin tuna, and they're beautiful fish, similar fish to what we're catching here. But uh, they're running right through from Victor Harbour right through. And I had at the end of the report, I had to mention Victor Harbour again, Pat. It's just another week of amazing tuna fishery. Uh, the whiting out of Seduna have been red hot lately too. So if you're not into that sort of heavier game fishing, I guess sports fishing, you want to just get a feed for the family. Make sure you do head out of Sedona, uh, Seduna because the fishing is seriously. Seduna. Seduna. Oh, mate, South Australian locals, Seduna. Seduna, tuna, same thing. It's <laughs> fishing really well. Uh, Squid and Pippi have been working really good fishing for those, and a nice little burly trail works really, really well. And heading to Queensland, Pat, this is exciting. Topwater GTs, Redmond. Now, is there a more exhilarating species of fish to hunt off the topwater? I'm not sure there is because there's nothing that pulls like them. Well, in the canals, Gold Coast canals, that's where they've been caught right now. And they're good fish. Like, they're not, <laughs> they're not one, two kilo fish. They're seriously like up to 10 kilo. Like, they're big fish. Now, this the drum, is a huge model for something that you, <laughs> you're dealing in canals. There's a That's the drama. Is trying to stop them from putting you in a tree with a koala so it's it's uh it's oh it's pretty cool like they're hard enough to stop in a, getting him into a reef offshore but let alone in the canal how, how much like well aaron and i've we've been lucky enough to travel some wonderful places right around the country chasing fish and one of the places that we went a few years back now was mission beach in in northern queensland it's about an hour and a half south of um What's the what's the place I'm looking for? Cairns, Cairns, and um, and we we went there and, and chased uh, chased GTs and uh, coral trout with uh, fishing mission Dennis Daly, and and seeing these shark like objects, I was worried about the boat that they were going to consume us. <laughs> like, how exciting are they to fish for? Because you see them cruise up, and we're bringing in. You know, fifty centimeter nana guy. You know, aggressive coral trout and these things just what, hunting them off the surface. What I found more interesting was we were getting sharked quite a bit. But once the GTs come around, the sharks are <laughs> <dead. laughs> going up. We we ain't coming here. Stop that! I'm out of here. No way. <laughs> Into WA, what? fishing off the rocks in Perth. Fish sixty centimeters. Uh, snapper, sorry, sixty-two up to sixty centimeters, but. Just remember, when you are rock fishing, it's a prick of a place, I'll be honest. Wear a life jacket. It's not hard to chuck one on. doesn't matter if you need to or you yeah. don't. You can pick them up for 100 bucks, 120 bucks, even cheaper at times. So make sure you do wear a life jacket. And just the last two, Patrick, because we're running out of time for the report, we're just going to stick with the trout because I've left them a bit behind with the offshore for Tassie the past few weeks. Macquarie River. You should see the size of these mm. rainbow trout coming yes. out of it. On soft plastics, red and gold, I believe, are working the best. So I see that as if they're eating their own kids, uh, which isn't a good thing. But big, massive rainbow trout being landed in the Macquarie River. Uh, like I'm not talking small fish, like 15-pound things, like 20-pound, like literally 10-kilo fish. Like they are massive. They are humongous. And then if you head to Sandy Lake as well, they're fishing really well for large browns. And hard bodies have been – that moving water, the hard bodies have been uh, the go-to, that's for sure. 
Always wear a life jacket. Don't risk your life. Make sure you're wearing one. Be prepared. A life jacket can only save your life if you're wearing it. Life jacket wearit.com.au and that is our whip around finding out what's biting in your part of the country Redmond it's time for the social club we take your questions from social media you can get in contact with us on our socials our real adventure socials on Facebook our real adventures socials on Instagram or better yet download our real adventures app the first one I really like that Redmond is uh, from Adam Hi, guys. Question for your podcast uh, or radio show. I'm having to move rentals and have to store my 12-month-old Stacer Outlaw 429. Cracking boat. What advice, tips do you have when storing my boat outside to protect it from the elements? Thanks, Adam. It's a good question. You've actually had your boat, multiple boats stored outside. I've got mine stored outside, but there's no chance that I'm packing mine away because I use it every single day. So you're probably better at answering this one. Yeah, you've got to spend good money on a proper um, tarp. And when I mean when I say tarp, I mean canvas cover. And when I say canvas cover, I mean something that is literally fitted to your boat. Because oh, anything else... Also known as pricks of things. <laughs> well, they, they definitely are. They <laughs> definitely are. They're a nightmare because the majority of the time they're designed... To fit. Um, <laughs> to, to fit and, and trying to get those clips in, like you, you're going to break your fingers doing it. But there's a reason for it. It's so it doesn't flap in the wind. Um, it's so it doesn't scuff your aluminium or your fiberglass or your stainless work. So the, the looser that everything is, the more chance it has to move. So the best advice I can give anyone when it comes to storing your boat is actually spend good money on your cover. And, and put a cover on your outboard as well. Like it's the most important part of your boat. Now, it, it, it might necessarily be as important because it's already got, you know, the, the engine sits underneath it under the cowling, but it's still something to, to look after. The other thing, Aaron, that, that often we talk about um, is just how important it is to continue to keep that trailer moving. Even if it's just go and see the boat every couple of weeks and tow it a couple of hundred metres just to get those bearings rolling because otherwise – if you leave it for six months and you come back, don't expect those things to be functioning all that well because no matter how well you clean it, there's going to be that salt residue that builds up, which is just one of those nightmares to to sort of try and cover, particularly when you, you pick up your boat and the last thing you want is ta- trailer issues. Serious question. How much of those cam? I've never bought one. You've bought a few. Are they pricey? Yeah, they, well, they are. I reckon mine – so I've put one on my Stavycraft. I've got one on my um, Northbank 750. I reckon the Northbank 750, because it was a, it was only the back part of the boat, um, was a bit cheaper, sort of a couple of grand. The, the Stavycraft cover was was more expensive because of how much work went into it. But you're looking sort of, yeah, 1500 bucks at least, yeah. depending, on, depending on where you go. Um, next one, and this is a good one. We spoke about this. We actually sent it to each other during the week around how good a question this was. Hi, guys. Wondering if it's worth changing out the wire on skirts to a fluorocarbon leader. It's a good question. Uh, Have you ever thought about this? That's from that's from Riley. Uh, well, yeah, no, I definitely thought about it, uh, but in a different way. Uh, how do you mean? So when I stiff rig my lures for marlin and whatnot i actually run wire yep. so when i'm chasing marlin i run in the hook actual part of it 
And when you do buy, if you do, if you don't know how to rig up yourself, you can buy these from all your tackle stores, pre-rig double hooks for your marlin, uh, which are your SL12s that they mostly sell, um, game fishing SL12s, and they sit, you want to make sure when you stiff rig them that you actually have them on a slight offset so they're not sitting exactly in line. You want to have them one on sort of, not a 45, but just on a slight angle sitting on an offset to the other, to the front hook, so you actually get a better hook up. But the wire you're running is only, say, just for an example, maybe five inches, like just enough to the two hooks. And then at the end of it, you have a loop, which is actually where your monofilament actually attaches through that via a crimp. So you do use them for them. But for bluefin tuna and whatnot, I wouldn't be running wire. No way. Just, you know, I've I've been bitten off a fair few times running lighter leaders than I normally would. But for, say, barrel bluefin tuna, Pat, I don't reckon I've ever been bitten off trying to think of top of my head on a barrel bluefin i think i'm around 130 or 150 most of the time for my barrel bluefin tuna and i'm just trying to think i generally don't think i have but when i'm down here chasing these school bluefin their teeth a barrel bluefin's teeth is pretty much the same sharpness as a 40 kilo bluefin's teeth so it's not like they get sharper as they get older they probably get slightly bigger but those little razors in those bluefin on those 40-pound leaders that I'm running, if they swallow your plastic or swallow your hard body or your stick bait or whatever it is, there's a really good chance of them biting you off. But the wire would definitely play a massive role in your hookup rate, I think. I would be getting rid of the wire and only running your wire for certain things like sharks, stiff rigging your marlin rigs and whatnot. That's how I'd be approaching it. Last question from Sammy Patterson. G'day, as in danger, love the show. I've moved interstate from Melbourne over to SA in Adelaide, loving the fishing over here. I'm mad keen and was wondering if Salt Guide has any plans on expanding interstate and starting an SA version. Yeah, that's a really good question. It's um, we, We've been at every single meeting for the past two years, to tell you the honest truth. The only problem is... We thrive ourselves on being as professional as we possibly can, uh, and we want to do a good job. Now, the fact that the three of us that own it, Craig, Wayne, and myself, we're the directors of the company, we know that it's our business and it's our, I guess, it's our job to 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 provide that professionalism into our into our website as well as our on the water at boat ramps wherever we go. So to be able to find the right people to represent what we wanted, but that we represent could can be hard at times. And then we also want to have the commitment of the right people as well. So it's definitely in the limelight. It's just a matter of how we're going to do it. And I guess we're sort of going real well in Victoria now. It's just a matter of how we do it. I think the other challenge is that the uniqueness of, of the Victorian waterways being Western Port. Yeah. Port Phillip Bay. It's, it's quite enclosed versus so many other states. I mean, Sydney's probably a potential for it. South Australia, for example, that you know, best information, it's really coming from your Shane Mensforce, your Brett Mensforce of SA Angler. They're going to give you great information around what's biting well. Um, even though it's a, it's a monthly magazine, they're, they're still brilliant with their socials. The challenge for South Australia, it's so wide and vast. So mm. if you were to have, you know, you'd need salt guide representation right along that seaboard which is so diverse and so yep. large to get an accurate report every week for everyone, it's very difficult. Like you said, it's it, Port Phillip and Western Port is very unique as well, as in it's hard to fish your touch tidal waters. 
but I can get everywhere I need to in Port Phillip. I can literally literally be anywhere in a day in Port Phillip, weather dependent. But like you said before, it's in it's 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 inside a bay. And Gwaine's the same in Western Port. He can get to wherever he needs, and that's the and then the few trips in between, like Portland and Apollo Bay with the tuna, you can actually keep up to date. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely there for um definitely there. It's just a matter of how we go about it. That wraps up the social club. We take your questions from social media each and every week. Make sure you shoot them into our Real Adventures socials. Plenty more RA after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Dometic Patrol. An icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home. Earlier in the week, I caught up with Dan Upton from Craft Marine one of the leading aluminium manufacturers in the world. They're based out of New Zealand and they build a brilliant boat. Dan, thanks for joining me this morning. Now, Stabycraft, it's been around for a long period of time now. It's really well established in the marketplace globally as really an aluminium manufacturing powerhouse. Quite clearly, COVID's brought its challenges over the last few years, but the popularity of the brand continues to soar. Yeah, it does, mate. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Um, it has really taken off, uh, especially over the last couple of years. I know we've seen everyone's seen a lift in the marine industry, but uh, we we were well and truly climbing that ladder um, before COVID hit, which was pretty awesome. Um, COVID just sort of helped accelerate things. Really, uh, we've just gone from strength to strength um, with COVID, and and I think one of the big things that set us apart, Pat, is. We've welcomed these uh, this demand, and we've increased our capacity in doing so. Um, so that, I think that's the big thing that sets us apart from from other people, other companies, is that we have expanded our manufacturing capacity with three external facilities outside of Stabycraft HQ, uh, and that's just helped try and meet some of that demand. And we're seeing um, 30% year on year more boats coming out of the factory. Um, so that, yeah, it meets its own challenges, of course, with respect to supply chains, which I'm, I know everyone else is feeling as well. Um, but we've um, we've got some pretty solid relationships in our supply partners, and being one of the larger players, we um, were able to um, secure a little bit more uh, solidity in in some of those supply chains. So no, it's all it's all going gangbusters. It's um, yeah, organised chaos at the moment. It's probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> Talk to us about the. The continued releases of, of new models, it's its quite unique in the boating industry given we don't see too many model updates, certainly aesthetically. There might be the odd change that, that boating manufacturers make, but Stabycraft seems to bring out new models and revamp entire ranges almost, almost annually. Is no doubt a, a, a huge challenge, but what it does do is, is create such a, a buzz um, within the the brand stable itself. Yeah, it does, and I mean it is challenging. But um, Stabycraft was founded on innovation and design, so it's kind of part of our our core ethos. Uh, I guess I guess we are unique in a way that we do. Um, you know, have continuous development. Um, we do follow normal trends with respect to product life cycles and what have you, so we monitor those pretty closely. A lot of our boats will stay on the market for uh, five to eight years, depending on how they're trending with respect to sales. Um, 
but we do have a, a really solid new product development process where we're reviewing that on a monthly basis, um, seeing the trends of sales and and product life cycles and what have you. But um, t- to your point, we do release typically a new model, at least one every year, um, but it's it's usually after a number of years that that boat has been on the market um, or we're introducing a new model altogether, like you've seen with the 2250 Ultra Cab walkthrough uh, model recently. So it's just it's a continuous development. It never stops. The Ultra Cab has been uh, almost a, a hot topic amongst anglers because for quite a few, it either polarises or it, it excites, you know, a huge amount of anticipation from that, you know, first release. I, I love the design. I know Aaron, who, who's co-host, he's, he's not here at the moment. He can't stand it but loves, you know, the the other the other models. But it's, it's something that is really yep. unique. It is almost that iconic sort of pilot house design. Yeah, mate, it's um, it is polarising. Um, but I tell you, one of the things we have seen is is a lot more acceptance uh, for the design. We've we've tried to put our own spin on it um, with respect to uh, just it's, it's sometimes it's just simple things like changing an angle slightly and and raking the windscreen a particular way and what have you. And um, I, I know that they're not everyone's cup of tea, but I tell you what, when we released that 2250 centre cab and ultra centre cab, so one had a, a rake back screen and one had a rake forward screen, we thought, uh, you know, we might outsell the, the forward raking screen, the ultra cab, by two to one or something. But in fact, the complete opposite has happened, <laughs> where the ultra cab is by far and away more popular than the than the rake back centre cab. Um, and that's... That's that's without a word of a lie, and and we're just seeing that uh, demand grow through the rest of our range with the with the twenty fives and the twenty sevens um, coming out in that um, that ultra cab style as well. People are people are loving it. It's an incredible looking boat, and it's 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 made more interesting by the the release. What will eventually be the the Stady X, which we've seen the the combination. You've you've had a few different um, sort of engagement with sea legs over the journey. What can you tell us about Staby X and when will we start to see this in the marketplace? Um, not on every street because it's not something that's that's for everyone, but it's a unique concept and 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 almost pushing the boundaries when it comes to amphibious boating. Yeah, so Staby X is, is quite a, uh, like you pointed out, quite a unique proposition. So just to give you a little bit of background, Paul Adams, the founder um, of Staby Craft, uh, sort of stepped away from the Stabycraft side of things as CEO a couple of years ago, um, and and that's since been filled with um, with David Glenn as the new Stabycraft CEO. But what Paul's done in that meantime is set up StabyX, and he uses the amphibious Orion wheel system, um, which is, um, in our opinion, a far superior system to the to the Sea Leg system. Yep. Um, so he's using obviously the Ultra Cab design um, with that boat. It's a really minimalist sort of a marketing model, um, whereby it is quite a unique boat, uh, not for everyone, obviously, but um, to suit um, very unique situations where uh, people are having trouble, you know, accessing boat ramps and, and what have you. So you won't see a whole lot of marketing on them, to be honest. Um, uh, there is limited sort of build capacity. So Paul's just sort of leveraging that with um, his own sort of spin on the Stabycraft model, but building on that to make a, 
Stabie X is kind of like a, an X factor um, over and above the Stabie Craft models. There's a lot more um, benefits and features and bits and pieces over your traditional Stabie Craft, um, obviously including the wheels. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's where that uh, that where that particular brand sits. Now, whilst I've got you on and we're, we're short of time, this is my pitch to try and jump the queue with regards to ordering a new boat because you spoke about the the supply chain issues and um, quite clearly the the build um, the build weights are, are pushed out. But I've had my fifteen foot Stabie craft I think for about four years now. And to anyone that yeah. asks me, I always say it's it's the most incredible versatile fifteen foot boat you can buy because. I can feel comfortable traveling 15Ks offshore. You can take it into, you know, a foot of water chasing, you know, fish through the mangroves. It's such a unique boat. Has has it been one of your most popular models? Because I just love it. It's from its rocket launcher setup for a 15-foot boat, which just doesn't exist on on other boats at the same size range. It's a, it's a big little boat and... I'd just say I'd commend you because it's just brilliant. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's, it it, uh, it has been one of the most popular models. Um, in fact, in recent years, it's probably been the biggest selling model, um, probably only second only to the 1450 that was released a couple of years ago. Uh, but the 1550 Fisher, we had to set up an entire factory in Auckland just to accommodate the popularity of that boat. That's all they build is, is 1550 Fishers. So um, it, it's just, you know, thousands of customers can reiterate your thoughts, uh, Pat, on, on its versatility and um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're going fishing or, or family boating. It can it can kind of do everything. I think it's it's a bit like what's the best camera? What's well, the one that you've got with you? And the beauty of the 15 footer is you can store it in a garage. You can pull the yep. the rocket launcher down. It's it's just so simple, so compact. That's why you know, it, from my perspective, it just works so well because it's just so easy to use. It is, yeah. One person, four people. It, it, it doesn't matter. You can you can tow it everywhere. It doesn't use a massive horsepower motor, so the fuel costs are pretty low. Uh, the front opening windscreen, I know you can attest to this, is just so good for getting on and off the boat, unloading gear, throwing kids out the front. It just it's just so versatile. That's probably the the best word to describe the fifteen fifty Fisher. I've tried to break the front windscreen. It still hasn't broken. It, incredibly rigid <laughs> and robust. What about 2022? What can we expect from Stabie? Is there anything in the pipeline that, that's coming our way in terms of new models? What can, um, you know, for, the, for those waiting on new boats, what can we expect? Oh, mate, 2022 is probably the largest year we've had for a long time for the release of new product. Uh, we've got uh, three, at least three new models coming out this year. Um, well, I can only tell you about one of them, <laughs> which is um, which most people know about already, which is the 1550 Frontier. Yep. Um, that will be that will be coming pretty soon. Uh, but um, we are planning on officially releasing um, all three sort of mid 2022. Um, I just can't say too much about the other two models yet. Um, but, yeah, keep an eye out. She's just some pretty cool stuff coming. Well, we're looking forward to getting you on once they're released. Dan, thanks so much for your time this morning and talking to us about the success of Stabycraft and its, its position in the marketplace and as marketplace leaders. No problem at all. Thanks for having me, Pat. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. 
Now it's time for Reg Review for Club Marine. And off the back of your upcoming week chasing Billfish Redmond, we're going to talk about outriggers and how they are important when it comes to chasing the fish with a big nose. Yes, they're very important. I've been told to keep this concise. I think that was the word you used, Pat. Not short, concise. But uh, it's, it's <laughs> very important outriggers. They are... Uh, they, they they catch you so many more fish. Now, just briefly on it, when you rotate, I don't use them for tuna, whatnot, I don't use them at all. I like a direct hookup with my rod. People say clear water, blah, 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 it's all loading. Oh, I don't believe any of that. Where the marlin, on the other hand, it's actually about getting the hookup and allowing the fish to run with your bait before having contact with your rod. Uh, the so drain- no, feeling no pressure at all once it takes that's Whatever right. Is. So say, for example, we're off Birmingham next Saturday. We're this this time next Saturday, actually, Patrick. And we're trolling around and uh, the, the we're marking up marlin. All of a sudden, the rigger goes. The rigger pops off. And then you let the fish run. We're running circle hooks. You let it run for, say, up to six, seven seconds. And then you go up on the button strike and allow the fish to actually swallow the hook. The circle hook will do what they do and it will roll and end up back in the mouth of the fish. It's also the same as trolling skip baits. When they grab them, they have no pull on the rod until you set the drag after they've run for a little bit. Now, they are pricey in a way, but they can also be a bit cheaper. Now, hook them to a range that go into your hull of your boat, into the actual gunnels of your boat for your poles, your bases, et cetera. It's all around that $875 mark. You've got – there's so many different brands out there. Then you can go into the different range of hook them, which have the arm, ba- arm bars that come out, which are around 1000 and then you can go into Viper there around the 1395 and they go on the side of your actual hardtop in itself, Pat, or even on the side of your hull as it comes up and meets the windscreen if you don't have a hardtop. And then a brand that's probably renowned to probably be the best is Relax, but mm. you are paying for them. Now, they're around that $2,450 mark. If you jump on all your marketplace on social media, you might pick them up cheaper, the poles, bases and whatnot. But they definitely are on the pricey side, but you need them. They will catch you more fish. Now, I can't give you the size that you need because everyone's boat's measured differently. To be different, yep. Talk to the guys and just have a chat to them. Tell them the boat you've got. They'll know 99.9% of the time. They would have even even your dealership like Melbourne Marine or whatnot. So make sure you do get outriggers. If you're going marlin fishing, I'll give you a hint. I probably wouldn't go unless I had them. That was Reg Review for Club Marine. There's plenty more real adventures coming up after the break. That was Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip for Club Marine. Redmond. Red's tip this week is coming off the back of the tuna. Now, yeah, it was a bit of an interesting topic during the week, Pat. Uh, boats not worrying about, I guess, the right things when targeting a bluefin. Now, what I mean by that is I was hooked up to bluefin multiple times. And instead of the boats worrying about the 474,502 mutton birds diving in the water behind me, they come to us, which is fair enough, and they just start doing laps around you, thinking that they're going to hook up. Yep. We've blown with that southerly. We've been fighting those fish for 10 minutes. They're big fish. You know how long they take in. We nearly killed your dad a few weeks ago. They take a while to get in. So they we, we drifted and drifted and drifted, and they just come around us. And they're all three of them are just staring at us on the boat. 
keep your eyes up. Don't worry about what we're doing. That's when you're not going to catch our fish. Our fish it's not going to help you catch fish. It's, yeah. it's not going to help you. So red it's f- what everyone does, though. Anyone oh. sees someone catch a fish, particularly pelagics, whether it's billfish yeah. or tuna or whatever, everyone's like, oh, you know, I what think- tips can I get from seeing a boat that's already hooked up? Well, you know what? None. None, exactly. I've been three hours hooked up to barrels, Pat, like a Apollo Bay and whatnot, like hours and hours into fighting these fish. And <laughs> you just get the boats come and start doing circles around you figure eight. But the bait ball's three kilometres that way. Like, it doesn't help them. So if you are out fishing this weekend and you see someone hooked up, know you're in the right area, but don't just watch them. Get Watch your sonar, get away from them a bit and try and work out exactly where that patch of fish are that they've pulled them off. Because I'm tipping if they've been fighting them for a bit, they're not going to be on that fish. And that's Red's tip for the week. Beautiful work. It's time for the Flying Gaff. And Flying Gaff this week, Redman, is headed to all Australian sports stadiums off the back of – I know we're drifting a little from uh, from fishing here, but we are the great outdoors and outdoors there are stadiums. And when you compare Australian sports stadiums, and I love what Optus is in in the West, fantastic, brilliant. But SoFi Stadium, hosting the Super Bowl last week, was one of the most extraordinary atmospheres, live shows, whatever you want to call it, entertainment iconic moments that you'll ever see. So SoFi... Stadium. It's a it's a sports stadium in LA, and it's brand new. Essentially, hosted this year's Super Bowl, of which the Rams won. Is that second a team in soccer team? <laughs> second team in two years to win a home Super Bowl. But the next time there's a there's a stadium developed in this country, Redmond, it has to be designed off the back of of the showpiece that is SoFi Stadium. Now they spent five million dollars on this stadium, so I understand it's a little more expensive than what we spend here in Australia. How much? How much? Five billion. But if we consider ourselves a sporting country, then we need to build and construct the greatest sports stadiums. And at the moment, this is just the most extraordinary amphitheatre of sports entertainment that you could ever imagine. And the next time that we design at Redmond, whether it's redesigning of the G or, or whatever it is, it needs to have SoFi elements included, like this wraparound full-sized screen that that sits inside of the stadium itself. It's a roof stadium. It, it's just extraordinary. And Jared Whateley has been there during this. They come out of the ground. What's that? <laughs> they had a house that come out of the ground. <laughs> well, that was a halftime entertainment. <laughs> Jared Whateley was there calling for SEN during the week. And you talk to Jared about it, and it's just like he just—he's just glowing over just how incredible it is. And clearly, it's it's private ownership over there. But the gaff this week, next time that something's built in this country, let's reach for the stars because it's just extraordinary, and it's it's where sports going globally. We're just going to make sure that we invest in that for the future. Thanks for listening to Real Adventures this morning. We hope you enjoyed the call. Aaron's heading to. Burmy next week. So we're going to be focusing on billfish. Look forward to that. We'll see you then. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.